Hello and welcome to Questions You're Not Asking, Season 2. This is very exciting to have you all here. We are live on Facebook and that's it, just live on Facebook. And welcome Chris, good to have you all the way from Sydney. Hello, yes, I'm here too. It's great to be here. Hey Tom. <laughs> yes, Chris. How, how have you been since the end of Season 1? It's been a while. It's been a while. When did we finish? Was it October last year that we finished up? I can't even remember. Uh, time is meaningless <laughs> at the moment for me. So I, if you told me 2019, I might have believed you. So it's been a while, though. It has been a while. Well, so I, came, I came out of our big lockdown and, and, and had a good time and had a baby. Well, not me. My wife had a baby. So that was pretty exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, it's good. Very good. Yeah, she is one of the best babies. Yeah, the best one I've ever had and probably in the top 30 or 40 babies ever to be born, I think. That's pretty good. Maybe after we've done best fighter in the Bible, we should do best babies of all time. That wouldn't really be for the podcast. That would just be for our own amusement. A definitive ranking of the best babies. Yeah, I I think we could do that. (laughs) How, How have you been, Chris? I have been doing pretty well i've been in lockdown for exactly 40 days because i've been making daily youtube videos since the first day of the lockdown and i just published number 40 so oh great there you go i, I actually I, enjoyed number 40 i mean i enjoyed oh, them all but t- today's one was particularly i finally good. made one you liked <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised you liked today's one because it felt like the most like self like important one that i've done because all the others were attempting to provide entertainment this one was just like hey everybody let me tell you about my life look how how it is but no i'm glad you enjoyed it that's good Ah. it was a long one so you'll if you watch it all the way through it's getting my watch hours up i'm all about giving you those analytics great only like three thousand more annual watch hours and i can start monetizing so i'll (laughs) I'll give you a sweet kickback when I'm rich off YouTube because you were the one who got me started. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Great. Okay, now we've done our banter. Now that we're all caught up, (laughs) tick. Now they know we're fine, friendly people. Let's do a podcast. All right. Are you asking me the question or asking you the question? Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's been a while since we've done this, Tom. I kind of forgot how it works. Hey, Tom, what's our question for today? Our question for today, Chris, is who is the best fighter in the Bible? Well, that's so convenient that you say that because I have drawn this handy bracket and I've also collated a short list of 16 strong people from the Bible. So... Do you want to use this as the basis for our discussion? Yeah. Who do we have in our list of fighters? Um, so we have Samson, Benaiah, David, Jael, Peter, Moses, Saul, Elijah, the demoniac, Nehemiah, the woman of Thebes, Thebes, Ehud, Goliath, Cain, Elisha, and then in 16th place, whoever drafts me will have to be competing as themselves in the bracket. Fantastic. Hey there, Tom from the future here. So what happened at this point in the show is that Chris and I spend the next six-ish minutes choosing biblical characters to fight each other. We both got to pick one fighter each per fight. 
It was mildly exciting on the live video, but not such great audio, so we've skipped that bit to get straight to the action. If you want to see it, then uh, head to Chris's or my Facebook pages to see the whole live video. Otherwise, let's get back to the fight. So, nothing to do now but get started. Our first matchup, Benaya versus Samson. All right, let's get ready to rumble. So tell me about Samson. Give me your reasons why you think Samson is going to win out in this fight. Look, Samson's just a beast. If he's growing his hair and sticking to his vows, he has the ability to tear a lion in half. That's pretty good. He kills a bunch of men with a donkey's jawbone. He he kills another... Now, see, see, I went to do my research and then I was like, oh, this is, this is a lot to read and I've got a lot of people to research. So this isn't going to be my finest hour right now. Just looking forward to our... Samson episode, which is a very good one. It's true. Can I just jump in? Yeah. Because I feel like many many of our three viewers are going to know uh, Samson. However, I need to tell you about Benaya because he is a lesser known person. So Benaya was one of David's mighty warriors. And it's interesting that you mention being able to tear apart a lion because in 2 Samuel 2320, we read Benaiah son of Jehoiada a valiant fighter from Kabzeel performed great exploits he struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors he also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion so I'm sure Samson's all fine killing lions in like summery pleasant weather <laughs> but Benaiah if a snowstorm hits Benaiah versus a lion no problem yeah but if we're just going on lion fighting skills Benaiah kills a lion, Samson tears it apart. If the rules with all of this is that it has to be combat with your bare hands, is that what we're saying here? You go into the into the ring with nothing? No, I reckon you probably... I think, think you're going to take in some of your, your key weapons. So he can turn up with a donkey's jawbone and some foxes to set on fire, maybe. For Samson. Yeah, two foxes tied together, (laughs) donkey's jawbone. So I feel like if we say that Samson is Israel's mightiest warrior of the time, um, Benayah struck down two of Moab's mightiest warriors. Yeah. Like Moab's two, like, and that feels like two on one. He was battle hardened. And I also feel like someone like that could just get in with a sword or a dagger real quick, get around behind Samson, cut off his hair. It's true. Bingo, bango. Yeah, and I think actually Samson, very strong, but not very disciplined. And Benaiah, as a military man, very disciplined. So Samson, you know, might find himself distracted by some good looking woman, might get his hair chopped off. He might just decide he wants to get drunk and fall asleep. Like there's so many options for him to to lose. I think it'd be ex- an exciting fight for a while. I think Samson would be really showy. But then I think it, he'd get distracted, something would go wrong, he'd make a dumb decision, and Benaiah would get in there, it'd all fall apart. Yeah. That's right. it. I'm happy to give it to Benaiah. We happy to call it? Yeah. All right. So, Benaiah moving forward, and Samson defeated. Now we have David versus JL. All right. Okay. So, so I've, got, I've got David who... And I've got JL. And David is a mighty warrior who has slain thousands. He killed Goliath with a uh, slingshot. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. And yep. then we have JL, 
Do you want to tell us about JL? Well, okay, so JL is most known for bringing a warrior into her tent and then putting a tent peg through his head. Yep. While he was asleep. Yep. And I picked JL because at first I thought, oh, she'll just let wait till he's asleep and then boom, done. But on reflection, in the scenario that we're positing here, David's probably not going to go to sleep. <laughs> no, he's not. But on the other Can hand... Can we clarify, is this a fight to the death? I don't, I don't think so. I'm, or, I'm not comfortable with... <laughs> no, neither am I. I think it's got to be a fight to... Till someone taps out. Yeah. Okay, so I think what's going to happen... So David, like, he's good at fighting men, but he's, he gets caught up by women. And JL, I, I don't know... You know where how good she was at seducing people in the well, in the story. Do, is is she seductive or do, is she just hospitable? Well, she's at the very least winsome, right? Judges chapter four. Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Harosheph Hagoyim, and all uh, Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Because there was an alliance between Jabe and King of Hazor and the family of Heber the Kenite, Jael went out to meet Sisera and said, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent and she covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is he there? Say no. But JL picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground and he died. Having picked JL, I I feel as though in this scenario, Mm. David could probably just like pin her down, incapacitate her. Like he could just grab her and say, hey, put down the tent peg, please. Because I feel like she relies on stealth. And cunning, whereas I'm not so sure that that's the scenario that we're looking at here. Yeah, I reckon David's going to win this fight. We'll give it to David. If we're in like just a real life circumstances, I think David's weakness for women might get him in trouble. But when they both know that they're fighting, David's probably mm. going to win that one. Yeah. All right. So next up, we have Ehud versus Elisha. Now, I picked Ehud, and then you picked Elisha as the one to beat him. So to quickly recap... Ehud is most famous for stabbing a fat king. He, he was a left-handed man like myself. And so is this a time travel scenario? If like the scenario is we're both teleporting them to the present day yeah. through time, then Elisa's going to be like, well, sucked in. I know you're left-handed. I'm going to be looking for the dagger. But if we just assume that they don't have prior knowledge of each other because the fat king, what's his name again? Barak. Yes. He's not expecting an attack from the left hand. And so that is his undoing. And so it all kind of hinges, I think, on that. Yeah. So I think, though, what, what we have with Elisha is he's a prophet, right? So he's got he's got insight from God. And I don't think he's going to make the same mistakes as Barak. Like, Barak is a king who is clearly stupid because he's willing to hang out alone with one of his conquered people and he's really excited to get whatever gift he's got elisha knows he's in a battle with this guy he's probably going to be able to pay attention to what he's doing with left and right hand and he's got the ability to call down bears so he just is like well here you are. take on my bears left-handed guy one left-handed guy with a sword is probably not going to beat 
to Bears. Yeah, I think once you throw Bear summoning into the mix, I think he's got it. That's the clincher. <laughs> All right, so Elisha takes down Ehud. Yep. And now we come to matchup number four, the Demoniac versus Goliath. Oh, yeah. All right. So, the... so now you picked Demoniac, yeah. I picked Goliath. Fill us in on who's who, and then I will let you know why I think the Demoniac wins. Really? Okay, so mm-hmm. you've got... I'm oh, sorry, why I think Goliath wins. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got... Well, you've got Goliath, who is the very large Philistine guy who was terrorizing the Israelite army during the time of Saul as king, and then young David comes along and takes him out slingshot. Then you got the demoniac who is living by the lake in the region of the Gerasenes, and Jesus goes to meet him. He's a guy who is got full of demons. They call themselves Legion because there's so many of him. And it says the man lived in tombs and no one can bind him anymore, not not even with a chain, for he had been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. So he's a very strong person, and no one can subdue him. And when you say no one, I'm like, that probably includes Goliath. So, okay, so on the face of it, your analysis seems correct. We do have, so scripture says, 1 Samuel verse seven, uh, chapter 17, verse 4, a champion named Goliath who was from Gath came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and it's Iron Point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Okay, so we think of Goliath as a guy that got defeated, right? Yeah. And the reason he got defeated is not because David was a mighty warrior. He was, but the reason that David was able to defeat Goliath wasn't because of his strength. It was because of God's strength, right? Yes. And so you've got supernatural power defeating Goliath. That's what it took to defeat him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, obviously, the demoniac, his whole deal is he has... Supernatural power. Supernatural power. He is imbued with supernatural power by these um, demonic forces that are attacking, that are possessing him, yeah. right? But what do the demons want? They want the downfall of God's kingdom. They are an anti-God force in mm-hmm. creation, Yep. right? Yep. And Goliath is a key enemy of God's people. So I think that in this matchup, the demons wouldn't slay Goliath because Goliath is, in a sense, on their side. The enemy Mm. of my enemy is my friend. Goliath doesn't know that. Like, he just sees it like a crazy strong guy. I think in this matchup, the demons leave the guy and the poor guy gets beaten to a pulp. That is my supposition. Ah. Yeah, so picking an enemy of Israel to fight an enemy of the kingdom of God. Yeah. All right. Yep. Happy to give that one to Goliath. I'm glad I thought of that because on face value, I was not expecting the Goliath to get past round one. I'll be honest, but there we go. Okay. Moses versus Cain. <laughs> All right. This is not what I envisaged when I <laughs> when we went into this. Moses versus Cain. All right, you've got Moses and I've got Cain. Is that right? That's right. And so here is the problem, right? Moses 
towering figure in the Old Testament. Yeah. So many deeds of mighty power associated with Moses. But per our rules, Moses wasn't doing most of that stuff. Or was he? Right? I mean, obviously it was all God's power. Mm-hmm. But if we're saying that God empowered David to to use his slingshot, that God empowered Samson with majestic strength. Yep. Did God empower Moses to part the sea? Or did God part the sea and Moses just held his stick up? Yeah, well, actually, like I think... I think I need to look it up. Yeah, as you think about that, you've got also the bit where Moses strikes the rock and water comes out of it when he's being disobedient to God when he strikes the rock. But even in his disobedience, he manages something kind of supernatural. So perhaps he's got access to God-given powers, yeah, that he can use. I think so. Like, I wonder whether it's in the the Samson category that God gives Samson power, but we shouldn't take that as God's approval of everything that Samson does because he does a lot of pretty ludicrous things with the power that God gives him. And I wonder whether that incident says that the same thing is true of Moses. Meanwhile, Cain... He killed his brother, yes. but his brother wasn't expecting it because, like, no one had done a murder before. <laughs> be- so he had the ultimate element of surprise. <laughs> not only did you not think I was going to kill you, you didn't know about murder because it had never happened. Yeah, that's true. Like, is it, isn't it the ultimate sneak attack? Yeah, so this is what it says in, in Genesis chapter 4, uh, verse 8. It says, Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And that's it. That's the whole thing. So we don't hear much about his fighting ability. I think if you had like Cain versus Moses early in his career, it could be a pretty even matchup. But once Moses is fully into his his staff-wielding powers. Here's what I would say. Like, even if we're a bit unsure about where the line is between, like, how much power God gives Moses and how much it's God acting through. I feel like there's a there's a really fine definition there that we maybe don't have the time or information to get into. <laughs> However, just on the face of pure murder ability... We know that Moses murdered an Egyptian and we know that Cain murdered his brother. And so it's a tie. But then Moses can whack a rock and water comes out. And also he could do the thing that God gives him where he puts his hand in his sleeve and it comes out leprous and he can just be like, and then when Cain's distracted, he can, or the snake throw his staff down and the snake attacks him. I just feel like Moses has got it. Yep. Yep. I think it's got to be Moses. All right, so Moses moves forward to round two. Cain is defeated. And next up we have the woman of... How are we pronouncing that? Uh, hold on, let me, let me look at it. Thebes. I also realized that I've written something down wrong because I have Moses in here twice. Oh, now we've got to figure out who's missing. Oh, Saul's missing. Saul. I'll have, so I guess Saul's up against the woman of Thebes. Yeah, great. I'm happy with that. Okay. Saul is a, you know, first king of Israel, fairly well-known biblical character. Yeah. Who have you got? I got the woman of Thebes. So in the story of the woman of Thebes, there's Abimelech. And he's in the book of Judges, in Judges chapter 9. And he's not a great guy. He kills 70 of his brothers. 
in an mm. attempt to seize power. So, and then he goes and takes takes down Shechem, and then heads off from Shechem and goes to Thebes and besieges it and captures it. But all the people of Thebes go and hide in a tower, and then it says they locked themselves in a tower, climbed up on the tower roof. Abimelech went to the tower and attacked it, but as he approached the entrance to the tower to set it on fire, a woman dropped an upper millstone on his head and cracked his skull. And then, hurriedly, he called to his armor-bearer, draw your sword and kill me, so they can't say a woman killed me. So his servant ran him through and he died. When the Israelites saw that Abimelech was dead, they went home. But it goes down in history that a woman killed him anyway, even though... Uh, he wanted to get stabbed through because it gets mentioned again in I think one Samuel that Abimelech was killed by the woman of Thebes throwing the millstone. So here is my thing: given that I accidentally had Saul in this matchup, I'm just imagining that the the woman of Thebes would pull a Star Wars Episode Three and have the high ground, <laughs> and would just get to the top of a structure and because like. Saul was a mighty warrior, but I think it's the same as we said with Samson. Like, Saul's volatile, right? Yep. His son makes him mad and he throws his spear at him. Mm, but he misses. Like, that's... He misses. Yeah. He misses, and that's crucial. So, I'm going to say... She, the woman of Thebes got this, good aim from the top of a tower. Yeah. Also, I don't know how heavy a millstone is, but I feel like it's probably pretty heavy. The, for a woman to be able to pick that up and throw it at him... She's well, I don't know if she's, like, discussing it. I think she's probably, like, pushing it off. Yeah, but she's got to get it from wherever it is. I, like, do they keep millstones at the top of towers, or did she carry it? Aren't they round? You roll it up like a big wheel. Yeah, well, how, you didn't roll... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming she's got pretty good upper body strength if she's... Yeah, cause I, yeah I think she's... she's I assume... Down in the, the city, they're going like, everyone evacuate to the tower. And she's like, well, I might just take this millstone with me in case it comes in handy. And then, yeah, okay, no, you... Okay, I, I've i I've heard enough. She can go up against Moses in round two. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, uh, so next up, we have Peter versus Nehemiah. Peter versus Nehemiah. You've got Peter. i got Nehemiah. And you've got Nehemiah, yeah. So... Why do you think Nehemiah's got this? Because you've I picked Peter first and you picked Nehemiah to go up against him. Well, I don't think Nehemiah can go up against many people. So I this is this is somewhere where I think my um my research might be letting me down a little bit because I only remembered one particular fight in the book of Nehemiah. But there might be an, another one. Like Nehemiah might fight some with some people, but I what I know he does, it says in Nehemiah 13, he talks about how uh, he fought with some men. And it says, because uh, they were they were letting their kids intermarry. And so he said, I rebuked them and called down curses on them. I beat some of the men and pulled out their hair. I made an oath in God's name and said, you are not to give your daughters in marriage to their sons, nor are you to take their daughters in marriage to your for your sons or for yourselves. That's Nehemiah 13, 25. It's a very long verse and probably an important one to memorize. I feel like this is a scrappy fight. It is a scrappy fight. And so you've got Peter, who his fight, we don't see him fight at all in the Bible except for the time that he pulls out his sword and presumably tries to chop someone's head off and only manages to cut an ear off. Oh, I'm going to assume for this purposes of winning the argument that he was aiming for the ear. <laughs> no one aims for an ear. There's, 
<laughs> Unless you're like some kind of you're not listening to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's like the kind of like like the mafia might do if you didn't pay your taxes to pay your protection money. They're gonna chop your ear off. But if you're in the heat of a moment, you're not trying to chop an ear off. You're you're, you're okay. Going but, for the neck. But that's him going up against a Roman soldier. No, no, it's and it's not a Roman soldier. It's oh, it's a it's a palace. It's a guard. It's a temple temple guard. A temple called, temple police. Yeah, Malchus. not as good. That's right. That's right. No, you. That is less impressive. Yeah, like when security at the the youth group disco, you know, coming to arrest you, and you attack them with the sword. They're not. They're not that impressive. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> okay, but. I feel like you take the ear. Yeah. Because, like, what happened was he got Malchus and then Jesus stepped in, time out, replaced the ear, throw back <laughs> the ear or however that works. Yeah. Okay, this is a total side note, but Peter chops off Malchus's ear. Jesus reaches up and heals the ear. Does he pick up the ear and put it back on? Or is there a situation where... <laughs> <laughs> Malchus has two ears and then there's a third ear on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I always imagined that he picked up the ear and then put it put it back on and it went broop. But I would prefer to believe that there was a third ear out there. Well, because I've always envisaged it as like Jesus reached up to like the the hole to the like stub of like what was left and then like fixed the ear. Like fixed the side of the problem. But it, it is until right now, it's never occurred to me that like, wait a minute, if he chopped off the ear, there's an ear, like, because is Jesus scrounging around in, like, is is he looking around in the dark trying to find the ear? <laughs> Hold on, go. Can you pull, bring the torch down here? We've got to find this ear. Everyone, everyone get on your hands and knees and see if you can feel something warm and wet. Well, because like, but like, honestly, like in that situation, I don't think he's got the time for it you know what i mean like he's being arrested it's it's like it's this incredible act of compassion on the one that's coming to arrest him i mean i'm sure it's a selective narrative anyway it's a it's a side point we're not going to get to the bottom of that one today but peter versus nehemiah what are we oh just to finish that off though one of our many viewers Emily from Parkville says they really hope that someone took the <laughs> 30 home as a souvenir souvenir i get it <laughs> All right, so All right. so Peter versus Nehemiah. I'm still going with Nehemiah because, like it says, Nehemiah beat some of the men and pulled out their hair. Peter was acting in the spur of the moment. He's a very, very passionate man, but later on he is afraid of servant girl. Nehemiah's like, I've got a yeah. job to do. I'm going to find some men. I'm going to beat them yeah. up. He yeah. might have beaten up multiple men at one time. Not sure about it. And I think as with Saul... And as with Samson, Peter's got a lot of fight in him, but he's he's unruly, he's he's undisciplined. Mm. And so I think we can say Peter out, Nehemiah in, which brings us to Elijah versus me. <laughs> For those of you who've just tuned in, I was forced to choose the last remaining person on our top 16, which was myself. Um, so Elijah versus me. In a fight. <laughs> I think I'd talk him around. All right. I'd, I'd negotiate. Yeah. Yeah, see, the thing about Elijah, right? I've got Elijah here. But Elijah's fighting skills, actually, I think maybe we picked badly. Because 
when he fights, he gets people to go and seize the prophets of Baal and put them to death. I don't think he does a lot of fighting himself. Oh, so are you are you willing to give it to me? No. Is that it? Did I just win? No, 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 not yet though, because after the fight with the prophets of Baal, he then goes and he runs in front of a chariot for 40 kilometers. That's marathon level endurance. Well, it's not, okay, it's not a foot race. I wouldn't have put myself up against Elijah for, you know, like you can't go to Thorpey and be like, oh, sorry, it's it's high jump today. <laughs> He's a swimmer. No, but I'm just, just thinking about his physical endurance. Like getting into a fight is, that's tiring. And my guess is that you couldn't run 40 kilometers. I don't know. I don't know what you're. Yeah, but we're not like. like we're not playing tips. Uh, surely it's in some kind of contained area. Yeah, but he's not running. A, like, is he chasing me? What's the running going to help? No, him? I'm just saying, who's going to last longer? If you're both like you know doing punch for punch, who's going to have the endurance yeah. to keep going? It's the guy who can who can. I run wasn't going to punch him. I I just want to pin him down. My tactic is negotiation and pinning. I knock him down. I drag him down. I look. I, I'm I'm a scrappy fighter, like you know, and and that has brought down a lot of people in in our debate so far. However, I think I just tackle him to the ground, <laughs> and then I'm just like, mate, what are we doing here? I don't want to fight you. You don't want to fight me. Just tap out. Like in the spectrum of like victories in your life, you've or you know you've got the the altar. And the big, you know, you got that. Give, let me have this. Yeah, Bears fair. We get one each. I think we just need to pause here because we have had a had a question from our audience. The question is from Becca, who is currently hanging out in Sydney in lockdown. She says, "I missed the beginning, Soz, but uh, isn't the question is who is the best fighter in the Bible? And Chris isn't in the Bible, which is true. I'm not sure. If, did we explain clearly that you are a representative of the New Testament Church? So we chose you to get in there and fight. Uh, yeah, so we didn't say that because Jesus did pray for me in the end of John's gospel. In John 17. Praise, yeah, praise that, for those who are to come. Praise for unity and you're using it to fight Elijah. <laughs> well, I'm assuming that on some level this is a kind of Hunger Games scenario. We've all been thrown in here. I don't want to fight Elijah. He doesn't want to fight me. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still going. I'm still going with Elijah. Elijah's going to win. Put it to the viewer. All right, for, for the, the viewers. All right, all all viewers. If you can jump in the comments now and say who you reckon will win between Elijah and Chris, that's what we'll we'll take. We'll just give a bit of time for all two of them, maybe, to but comment. Let's, let's leave that behind. Let's move on to round two. Yeah, Got to um, keep if going. If someone wants to weigh in and resolve that one, okay. So our bracket. For round two, we have Beniah versus David. We have Elisha versus Goliath. We have Moses versus the woman of Thebes. And we have Nehemiah versus... Well, Ems just suggested that Elijah wins that fight. So I think I might have to... Oh, okay. It is unanimous amongst both of our viewers. So <laughs> unfortunately, I've been knocked out in the first round. I was the 16th pick. Which just takes me straight back to high school, let's be honest. So in that fight, all the other ones, we've ended up with one of yours versus one of mine. You're going to have to donate Nehemiah or Elijah to me. Or perhaps you can just debate yourself over that one. Yeah. But let's go to Benaiah versus David. 
Oh, no. That's brother against brother. It hurts. Yeah. I wonder whether it partly depends on which point in Israel's history we're talking here, right? Mm. Because if they're on the run from Saul and if David is, you know, if Benaiah is one of David's mighty men, he's the warrior, he's all of that. I kind of suspect that, actually, you know what? Either way, I think Benaiah wins. Here's why. I think David is not the greatest warrior. I think he was a great warrior. Yeah. But I think any king that is surrounding himself with mighty men or potential king or or general or whatever you want to call David at that point in history, he is surrounding himself with the best of the best. He's where he is because he's the best leader, but that doesn't mean he is a better warrior than his mighty men. And if Benaiah is one of his like strongest guys... One-on-one, I think Benaiah can take him. Because, like, if Benaiah tried something while they were all on the run, it would have been stacks on all the other mighty men and they would have taken care of it and David would have not even had to fight. Yep. But then later on, after David has already slept with Uriah's wife and, like, stolen Uriah's wife and had Uriah killed, what does that do to the mighty men? What are they doing at that point? I guess they never. maybe they never find out. Yeah, okay. I reckon if it's just a fight... And Benaiah's not like, I'm going to, you know, submit to, to my lord. Then I think Benaiah wins because David's going to get the best fighters around him. And so Benaiah is probably going to be a better fighter. Because David was empowered to defeat Goliath. But I think when it comes to this matchup, I think Benaiah wins. Are you, yep. are you happy to... Happy to, happy to give it one? to Benaiah. Okay. So Benaiah heads into round three. Now we have Elisha versus Goliath. All right. Elisha versus... So Elisha and his bears versus Goliath. Oof. I think Goliath has it. I don't think so because I think Elisha has up his sleeve. How much are you putting on the bears? Well, here's the thing about Elisha. I'm pretty sure... Now, I could be wrong... But I'm pretty sure that Elisha also has the ability to call down fire. Is it Elisha or Elijah who who takes out the... Elijah, it was Elijah at the altars. No, no, but then there's the the king of Samaria oh, who sends... Yeah, yeah, I think... Sends like 50 men up to capture Elisha? Yeah, I think you're right. And then, and then Elisha's like calls down fire and they all get burnt up. I'm just I believe you are correct. I think that is early-ish. Ooh, maybe maybe not. Alright, now I'm getting into Bible Gateway. Yeah, so am I. And I hang on, if I am a man of God, Elijah replied, may fire come down from heaven and consume you oh, and your, your fifty men. It's Elijah. Then the fire of God fell from heaven and consumed him and his fifty men. It is Elijah. Ah uh, no. So if if Elijah is so, versus Chris and he can pull call down fire, you're toast, mate. Yeah, you're right. Elijah would have smoked me, literally. <laughs> so I think what we what we're coming down to here is it's Goliath versus a couple of bears. <laughs> I think so. Can Goliath beat a couple of bears? And I think he can. I think he can. Could two bears beat a nine foot guy? That's what I'm wondering. With a staff like a weaver's With rod, staff- he never would have let him get near him. He just like stabbed straight through both of them. <laughs> As if okay, David could. Scare off a bear with a, a rock, right? 
And so I reckon if little boy David can chuck a rock at a bear and the bear goes away, because remember, really, it's not ultimately Goliath versus the bears. It's Goliath versus Elisha. He all he needs is two rocks. Boom, boom, done. Get Elisha with the weaver's rod. Well, okay. I reckon if you've got a big stick, you're very tall. You can take out the bears or get past the bears maybe and take out Elisha. Yeah, I think it's maybe. Crazy. And look, maybe I reckon worst case scenario for Goliath, he's getting savaged by the bears, but he still gets Elisha with the spear. Yeah. And so I think maybe it's mutually assured destruction, <laughs> but I think Goliath is the last one. All right. So we have, well, that means we have Benaiah going up against Goliath in the semi-final. All right, next we have Moses versus the woman of Thebes. I think the woman of Thebes is pretty great, but I think Moses is going to win just because Moses has got rock-hitting powers. If a millstone comes down and he manages to hit the millstone and water's just going to... Make water come out. It's going to turn into water. It's going to be like a water bomb from the sky. Well, and also... It feels like her power set really relies on pushing a thing down from a height. <laughs> and Moses spent a lot of his time wandering out in the desert. And there's no there's really nothing to drop the millstone from. I think it's gotta be to... I think it's gotta be Moses. Alright. You think Moses wins it? Yeah. Alright. Well, this is pleasing to me because it means that um I currently have three out of four in the semis, and so I'm just going to let you fight yourself, Nehemiah versus Elijah. <laughs> Who do you... So it's Elijah all the way, because... Yeah, I think fire. according to the rules of our debate, yeah. calling down fire, the whole point of that was that it was what God was doing, not what Elijah was doing. Answer me, O Lord, let your people know that you're turning their hearts back to you. The whole purpose was which god is the real god, not which prophet is the real prophet. No, no, no. The 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 fire that he calls down to consume. Oh, the, the other calling yeah. down fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's in this blurry thing because I don't think with Elijah, I don't know that you, that God is giving him all purpose powers that he can do what it, whenever he wants. No, but it's the same power that Elisha has to call out to call bears is the power that Elijah has to burn up armies. So if Elijah can have bears, then Elijah can have fire from heaven. I think what we're discovering here is that most of these people, without the generous support of God, are pretty rubbish in a cage fight. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where we've got to. But anyway, so Nehemiah out, Elijah in, which means we have right. Benaiah versus Goliath, and then we have Moses versus Elijah. All right. Now that is... The Mount of Transfiguration showdown. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Benaiah versus Goliath. Do you want to just fight this one out in, in your own... My heart says Benaiah, but my head says Goliath. Benaiah is a, a mighty warrior. He's taken down lions on snowy, in, on, in pits on snowy days. He's taken down, you know, top warriors and, and all of that. But... He is, at the end of the day, just a really strong dude. Where was Benaiah when Goliath was fighting the Philist- fighting Israel? Was he in the army being like, nah? No, I'm going to say, if he's serving David, he he's probably younger than David. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, so he was a kid at not- the time. No, you're right. Okay, 
Because I think there is the whole the theory that Goliath is descended from the Nephilim. Yeah, I've heard that theory. So he could be part sons of God. It's pretty diluted by that stage. Yeah, 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 it's true. But, like, it explains why he'd be super tall. Uh, but I reckon Benaiah, right? So he strikes down a huge Egyptian, and he, even though the Egyptian has a spear, Benaiah went up against him with a club and snatches the spear from the Egyptian hand and kills him with his own spear. We know that Goliath has a big spear, and Benaiah's pretty handy with spear stealing. I think it could be, could be Benaiah. Yeah. I mean, I'm. if you're happy to give it to him, I am very happy to give it to him. I want to give it to him. All right. Well, let's do it then. Benaya is in the final matchup against either Moses or Elijah. Oh, now this is so, this is a supernatural showdown. This is this is like the end of the Karate Kid. I'm pretty pretty excited. So, Moses versus Elijah. All right. So you're you're for Moses. I'm for Elijah. Yep. All right. Why do you reckon Moses has it? I think it's hard to split them. Is the first thing I think we need to say. I think we need to say these are both towering figures of the Old Testament to the extent that when Jesus goes up to the Mount of Transfiguration, this is who we see. Mm. And so it makes perfect sense to me that they have made it to the top of this cage fighting championship. I don't know if this is accurate to say, but we're not dealing with a Goliath versus Benaiah situation here where you've got two people who are basically, although I'm kind of loath to use this distinction, they are basically naturally gifted, whereas Elijah and Moses are not particularly innately warrior-like, yeah. but in their own times and places were both supernaturally gifted to do or be adjacent to incredible miraculous things mm-hmm. but god spoke to moses face to face like moses spoke to god face to face as one speaks to a friend mm-hmm. and when elijah has his face to face with god on the mountain it's more whiny it's more like oh it's too hard and god has to be like there there come on you can do it i've still reserved a remnant whereas with moses he's like show me your glory and god's like no but what about my back and so but if we're saying that their power comes supernaturally as a gift from God. Mm. I don't know. Like, I don't know if we can rank it. And I don't, and I think all of this is predicated on the ludicrous assumption (laughs) that God wouldn't be like, no, if you two are going to fight each other, no, you're not having your powers. I'm not, I don't want any part of this. Like, I feel like that would be a more likely scenario. But if we teleport them out of their natural habitats and assume their same fight. Yeah. I think Moses has it. Yeah. I think Moses has a slight edge. Well, also, like, so Moses Moses has killed a man before, whereas Elijah is not a killer. He, he commanded some violence, but he didn't... He, we don't know that he personally did any. What about the fire? The calling down the fire and the, getting all of the... No, so he calls down the fire and that burns up the sacrifice and then he, and then he calls people to bring... Bring the no, no, no. Well, I'm, I'm on the other fire. Oh, yeah. No, so the other fire. But the other fire, he calls down the fire. But it's not. this is not bare hands fighting. This is just fire falling from the sky. Whereas, whereas Moses, bare hands, fights the Egyptian and, and buries him. Oh, if you, take away, if you take away all supernatural 
you know, like all additional gifting by the empowering of the spirit. And it's just a bare knuckle fight. I think Moses, Moses in his prime has got Elijah in his prime. I think, yeah, I think you're right. And I think if God powers is there, what, what they've got going for them, you've got God powers versus God powers. Either God's like, yeah. you know, all right, whoever can do the, do the best move, press the right buttons on your controller and well, right, because because all of this stuff, like we're, we're, we're kind of a bit flippantly talking about God powers, but Israel trying to kind of weaponize the Ark of the Covenant is a great example of like, no, no, God is not just this thing, this talisman that you bring out to help you win your battles. Like the Lord will fight for whom the Lord fights for. Mm-hmm. And that's its own thing. So, yeah, I reckon do we, we say... Moses in his prime versus Elijah in his prime. Yeah, Moses takes it. Yeah, Moses takes it. Okay, but I think I think we, if it was a marathon, Elijah's going to win. Yeah. Well, again, if we if we want to come back and do another live podcast that's who would win in a foot race, <laughs> then that's a different story. Which brings us to our final matchup, which I am quite honestly thrilled about because I I picked Benaya first up. And I am just, I'm stoked that he's in it. However, Benaiah versus Moses, I don't know what to make of this. <laughs> well, if Moses got his powers, I think it's got to be Moses. But if, if it's just straight fighting, like without powers, it's Benaiah. But we've allowed Moses his powers in everything other than that last matchup. Well, and I think this is this is where we come to the fundamental flaw in this kind of competition. We were saying it right back at the beginning with David versus Goliath. If it's David versus Goliath, Goliath wins. Yep. If it's if it's David's God versus Goliath, Goliath loses. Yeah. And so I think in the same way, we get all the way down to the end and it's Benaiah versus Moses. If it's Benaiah versus Moses in their prime, Benaiah's got it all the way. Benaiah is elite. (laughs) Yeah. However, if we say Moses has all his powers, what we're essentially saying is it is Benaiah versus God and God wins. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right then. I don't know how we make this decision, but I I mean, we've probably got to give it to Moses because we believe in God. (laughs) Not to tied too corny a bow on it at the end but like <laughs> i think fundamentally what we come down to is god is the most able fighter the most able warrior in the bible that is why over and over again israel is told like chill out it's the lord who fights for you and so yes god could beat any of us in a fight and so praise god that as we said at the beginning, Jesus abstains from fighting us and instead he came to overcome violence with nonviolence. So, yeah, that is, that's my thoughts on this whole dumb thing. Can, can I, something that st- stood out to me just then, right? So you got Jesus who chooses not to fight and his choice for when he comes up against humanity that fights him is non-violence he dies he rises again but also the thing that he says this this is not this is not a big point it's just interesting um that he says that he could command legions of angels to fight on his behalf so he he doesn't say oh 
I could just snap my fingers and you'd cease to exist. But he's like, I could command legions of angels. So so he's got power upon power. I'm not making this point. It's just interesting that he... He, he go his go to is the angels rather than oh I could destroy you because I am the word who was there in the beginning so that's not you're not gonna put that on your wall hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I always had an inkling that we would run into trouble at this point what because our our rules have always been a little bit sketchy and I think we've been a bit loosey-goosey with when we were attributing power to people and when we were attributing it to God. So as lame as it is to finish with a draw, for want of a better word, I think the only way to answer it is if it's Benaiah versus Moses, just them, no supernatural intervention, no empowerment from God, Benaiah's all over Moses. Yes, gone done he's an elite warrior however if it's god empowering moses to defeat benaiah then of course benaiah loses so yeah i i want to say that okay at the end god's like all right i've lent you guys a hand long way and then he's like i'm just gonna sit back and watch the action for the end so (laughs) you gotta do it for yourselves guys I, i reckon god steps out for the end and and so you think benaiah's the uh, yep we, we're declaring Benaiah the mightiest yep. warrior in the Bible, the greatest fighter in the Bible. And so we have Benaiah so as... what have we learned today? Hold on, I, I, have, I have a sound effect I need to play. So we have Benaiah. Oh, this is why you needed a champion. Yeah, because I've got this sound effect. Here, you ready? Benaiah, yep. Benaiah is the winner, the best fighter in the Bible. There's <laughs> cheering now. You can't hear it, Chris, but... People heard oh, it sad. on the live stream. After all that, I can't even. I can't, I'll go back and watch it on the replay, or I'll just imagine what cheering sounds like. <laughs> all right, so so this is the point of the podcast where we have some uh, take home message, something you can you can be like, well, from this absurd question, we have learnt this, and what have we learnt, Chris? What is stirring in your heart at the end of this? I think it's like the absolute stupidity of violence is one thing, because clearly from the beginning we've been aware that this whole enterprise has been a bit dumb. But yeah, I just keep coming back to how good that God, despite having infinite power at his disposal and infinite power to choose violence if he wanted to, has instead chosen to absorb all of the world's evil and violence and has chosen to overcome evil with good. And I think you see a lot in the Old Testament of of violence and war and of, you know, battle and all of that. And I think all of that is God doing what he can with the people in, in front of him. In choosing to partner with humanity to rule and take care of the world, when humanity fall and do violence to one another, the only world God has to interact with is a world of violence. And so... The fact that in Jesus we see God's ultimate answer to all of that violence, which is, I will let you defeat me, and in that defeat I will have the ultimate victory. I think that is the thing that I want to celebrate out of all of this, not that my champion won the bracket. Although I knew Benio had it in, (laughs) I've got to say.
He fought a bear in a pit on a snowy day. He did. I mean, a lion. He fought a lion in a pit and on a snowy day. So, <laughs> and he stole a spear. And he's, yeah. Anyway, what are your thoughts, Tom? Yeah, so I think I've enjoyed the conversation. Felt kind of uncomfortable about it as well, because it feels a little bit dodgy making these heroes of the Bible fight each other. But, and I guess like the discomfort I feel kind of reminds me that like in, in Ephesians where Paul says our, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities. Mm. And that, you know, whenever we're pitting human against human, where what we're doing is doing something which God doesn't want us to do, but he wants us to be pitting good against evil. And that when we look at the great matchup of good against evil, in in the big picture of the Bible, there is there is a big there's a fight going on, and the question is is what, who's going to win, good or evil, sin and death, or or life and love, and and we see that love wins through death, and we see that when we get to the end of the Bible, we have Jesus is this kind of warrior, but he is the warrior who was slain on our behalf, and the warrior mm. who defeats Satan at the end of time. He defeated the cross and he he uh, brings it into to full fruition at the end of time. And then all of evil is banished. And so we can celebrate that that whatever, wherever there is fighting and evil in this world and wherever there is a contention, it, it all it all will end and we'll will be brought into full unity of as God's people, as as Jesus brings us all together, everything gets brought together under his authority and reign at mm. the end of time. And so mm. I can look forward to that. And I am very happy yeah. that I, I also don't have to go into a cage match against anyone ever. So also on reflection, I'm glad I live in a much less violent time than Old Testament mm. times or just a much less violent part of the world than, than many parts yeah. of the world. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's been fun, but also a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> it makes me feel the same thing. So in, in my year five classes, I teach through the Old Testament of the Bible in the first like term, term and a half of year five. And there's always this point that the kids get to that, that they're just like, like people, they're so like they're violent and dumb and they just like... And it's interesting because, like, some of them have the reaction that the whole Old Testament is designed to give you, which is like, man, isn't anyone ever going to come along and not screw up? And, of course, the New Testament's answer is, well, glad you asked because, yes, it's Jesus. And I think, you know, the further we got through this, the more I was, like, I guess kind of like what you're saying, the more I was just feeling like, oh, man, people are the worst. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so praise God that he has come to one day deliver us from all violence, you know, that on the cross he has defeated all the powers of darkness and that on his return all war and violence and cage fighting will be gone forever. Amen. Well, I think that, that wraps it up. I think we've solved who is the best fighter in the Bible. That will be uh, that'll be God. Well done, God. Congratulations. <laughs> Hold on. Who could have predicted? I need a sound effect. 
So now that we're we've made it to the end, important question is, Chris, where can people find more stuff from you? Well, you can find me on YouTube if you just search for Chris Morphew. I am making daily videos throughout the Sydney lockdown. But more usefully, you can find me at chrismorphew.com. You'll find my books and things there. Actually, the Good Book Company is celebrating its 30th anniversary. And so my book, Best News Ever, which is a 100-day uh, devotional in the Gospel of Mark for a couple more weeks is on sale for 30% off. So if you go to thegoodbook.com.au or .com or .co.uk, you can grab yourself a bargain. Tom, what about you? Well, you can find more of my stuff at tomfrench.com.au and you can grab my new book there, Jonah Devotions, Pops Devotions, 15 Days with the Runaway Prophet, all my other books. Yeah, you can find me on social media at TW French. Thanks for everyone who's joined us, particularly for our three viewers, for Emily, Mike, and Becca, and maybe there's another mystery person out there. I'm not sure. I choose to believe... We were up to seven at some point. I choose to believe we were steadily cycling through people, and just there were hundreds... They just had stuff on. Well, it's been great to have you guys with us and joining in. Why don't you make sure you subscribe and make sure you give us a great rating on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else where you can give ratings and give us a review and uh, we will love it. We will see you all next week for when we answer whatever the question is that we have coming up next week. This has been Questions You Wanted Asking. I'm Tom Fridge. And I'm Chris Morphew. We'll see you later. See ya. Bye. Bye.